the lyrics create this lovely contrast between our unworthiness and God's grace. And it's like if you've ever seen in a jeweler's window where you have like black velvet and then you have like diamonds and stuff. So diamonds are beautiful regardless, but against the dark backdrop, they shine all the more. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like... Beautiful. Yeah. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Him Partial, the podcast where we talk all things church music. I'm Monet Funka. And I'm Cara Devereaux. And in today's episode, we're going to look at an old classic chorus, I Know Whom I Have Believed. We'll be talking about a man who was saved while praying for someone else, how good songs can come out of revival movements too, and why we can have certainty in our faith, even if we don't completely understand it. But first, if you haven't already, head over to himpartial.com and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. This allows us to keep in touch with you when the pesky algorithms of social media decide to up and change. Plus, the weekly newsletter contains all sorts of fun bonus content, including exclusive videos that our subscribers get to see first. In this week's bonus clip, we are going to share where we go for certainty in uncertain times. But if you're not a subscriber, you have to wait to find out. Don't miss out on our next bonus clip. Go to himpartial.com and sign up for our free weekly newsletter today. All right. So um, we're back on the hymns again. And this week we're going to be talking about a hymn called I Know Whom I've Believed. Um, it's also called I Know Not Why God's Wondrous Grace, because that's the first line. Okay. So it was written by a guy called Major Daniel Webster Whittle, and you might recognize his name because we talked about him a few weeks ago in our Philip Bliss episode. Oh, I thought you were going to say you might recognize his name from the Webster Dictionary. (laughs) No, sorry. (laughs) Um, He worked with Philip Bliss for a while. Philip Bliss wrote some of the Mm -hmm, tunes mm -hmm. to his hymns. So Okay, lovely. That's the, the link. So he was born in a place called Chicopee Falls. I'm probably saying that completely wrong. Chicopee? Chicopee or Chicopee Falls. Anyway, it's in Massachusetts Mm. and he was born in November 1840. So he was actually named after Daniel Webster, who was a politician that his father admired. And he wrote the dictionary? No, there's nothing (laughs) to do with a dictionary. (laughs) Sorry, I just, that's, that's what I hear. When I hear Webster, I think Webster di- Webster's Dictionary. I don't that's think what it I was Daniel Webster that wrote Webster's Dictionary. I don't even know. Look, it's not first name, last name, Webster's Dictionary. It's, it's just, just Webster's. Webster's. See, when you're famous enough, you don't need a first name. Exactly. Anyway, so he's named after the politician. And the reason for that was that Daniel Webster, the politician, fought for American independence. And Daniel's parents, our Daniel's parents, mm. hoped that he would also one day become a great leader in the fight for independence, too. Mm. Hmm. So that's his like story. <laughs> uh, we don't know much about his childhood. His mother was a godly woman. She raised him and his siblings well. Mm-hmm. He worked in Wells and Fargo Bank as a teenager and into his 20s. Hmm. Yep. He was religious. At some point he made a profession of faith, but it's not clear whether it was genuine or not. Um, but he even became like a Sunday school superintendent at a place called the Great Tabernacle in Chicago, where okay. he met his wife, Abby. Where do I know that name? The Great Tabernacle. I don't know. Have we talked about that before in the past? No, we talked about the Metropolitan Tabernacle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's totally different. 
Sorry. I don't remember if we've I ever... felt like that's very familiar. It's going to hit me at two o'clock in the morning, but sorry. It's okay. I've, sorry I've thrown you off your groove. It's fine. But he met his wife, Abby, there. That's the, yep. the yep. key point. That's the key point. Mm-hmm. So in 1861, at 21 years old, he joined the army. He was commissioned as a second lieutenant. In the summer of 1862, just a year later, the Civil War intensified and his unit was called to go fight in the South. On August the 22nd of that year, the night before his departure, he married Abby. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and it would be a whole year before they saw each other again. Aww. And he'd be missing an arm when he got back. Really? Yeah. Wow. So at some point in all this, he fell away from the faith and lived a not very good life. Mm. And during the war, he did really well for himself. He rose to the rank of major, which is why people call him Major Daniel Webster. Mm. Whittle. Um, it's not his actual name. It's his rank, not his name. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, well, I was like, people, wait, people, Daniel Webster Whittle is not his no, name? Because, we just talked about it. But people <laughs> give their kids such weird names now yeah. that Major could have been his first name. No, 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 it was his But rank. it wasn't. It was his rank. No, I understand that. Okay. Sorry. Apologies to everyone. I am totally taking Cara off of her train today. I'm just like so contrary today. I don't know what's going on with me. I will stop. The end. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it'd be more. I'm not going to make that joke. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Now you have to make it. I was going to say, it would be more appropriate to derail me in the Philip Bliss episode. (laughs) But it's too soon for that joke. Oh, no. It's too soon. Oh, no. Cara went there. (laughs) I told you it wasn't. Okay, so back to Major Daniel Webster Whittle. While leading a charge in one of the battles, he was wounded in his sword arm, which led to the amputation of it just below the elbow. Mm, okay. He was also ended up in a prisoner of war camp for a time. Yeesh. Yeah, he had it rough. It was only a year, but it sounds like he got up to a lot. Yeah. Um, surprisingly, while he was there, he was like bored out of his mind. So he was, he was like going around looking for something to read and he found his stuff and his mom had packed him a new Testament mm-hmm. in amongst all his other things. Wow. So he was like, well, I've got nothing better to do. So he just read it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and one night a nurse came to him and begged him to come and pray for this young soldier who was dying. Mm-hmm. Cause this boy, he was basically wounded. He was going to die. Mm. And he was like, I need someone to come and pray for me. Mm-hmm. And the nurse thought, oh, this guy's always reading his Bible. So he's the guy. It's a great reputation to have. <laughs> yeah. And Whittle protested. He was like, I'm not a good man. I don't live a good life. Like, I can't do this. But she basically um, badgered him until he did. Mm-hmm. And as he prayed for this young man, he came under conviction himself. Wow. And as he was praying for the young man, he started praying for himself as well. And um, I think at that point he was genuinely saved. Mm-hmm. Uh, the young man died before he'd finished praying. But wow. um, yeah, so it's a sad story, but also like a happy one for him, I Powerful guess. Powerful story. Yeah. 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 Well, he got home eventually. Um, and after another 10 years or so, D.L. Moody managed to convince him to become what they called an evangelist. And I don't know if we quite agree with the way they did things, um, but they would have called him an evangelist. So he would have traveled. Mm -hmm. He would have preached to large crowds Mm -hmm. um, like D.L. Moody did. And around this time, he began writing hymns, many of which were set to music, as I mentioned, by our old pal, Philip Bliss. Mm -hmm. 
Um, Whittle wrote over 200 hymns. He normally wrote under the pen name L. Nathan. I don't know why, (laughs) but he used a pen name. But these days, um, most of his hymns, if they're in our hymn books, they're attributed to Daniel Webster Whittle. Mm. Um, But interestingly, L. Nathan, his pen name, was the name of the tune for this song. Okay. It was named after his pen name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the hymn itself, I Know Whom I've Believed, was written around 1883. Mm. It is one of the better hymns to come out of the revivalist movements, leaning less on the kind of like sentimentality and more on scripture. Mm-hmm. But before we get into it too much, Monet, would you mind reading the lyrics for us? Yeah, sure. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he hath made known, nor why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for his own. But I know whom I have believed. I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know not how this saving faith to me he did impart, nor how believing in his word wrought peace within my heart. I know not how the Spirit moves, convincing men of sin, revealing Jesus through the word, creating faith in him. I know not what of good or ill may be reserved for me, of weary ways or golden days before his face I see. I know not when my Lord may come at night or noonday fair, nor if I'll walk the veil with him or meet him in the air. Yeah. Any initial thoughts on that? I was just thinking, I don't think I've ever sung this song before, but something of the lyrics are very familiar, and I can't put my finger on it. It might be the chorus. Is it? It's in quotes. Is this from the it's, Bible? It's lifted straight from scripture. Okay. I was like, what yeah. is this? I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But it's, it's possible that that's why it's, that it's lifted. It might be. I, yes, of course. Scripture is familiar, but it's something about the structure of the verses that is familiar too. Mm-hmm. But I can't put my finger on it. Hmm. Maybe I've sung it before like once and I just... It's just like don't in the remember. Back. Yeah. I haven't sung it in church in a long time, um, but it is a good one. So one of the things I really like about this hymn is that there's a lot of not knowing. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but I think it's important that we yeah. don't need to know or understand everything. Um, but at the same time, like God's not afraid of our questions either. Mm-hmm. It's healthy to seek to understand our mm-hmm. faith, but it's also okay that we don't know everything. There is a mystery. Yeah. That is, is I think in our intellectual circles, we try to explain away. Yeah. Everything's got a fancy Latin name or something. <laughs> but frankly, it's okay if there's stuff you don't understand. Yeah. And I like that. This hymn writer says that. He's like, I don't really know how this works. Mm -hmm. It's great. Like grace. Grace is amazing. I don't understand it. Um, Yeah. So I also like talking of grace that it begins with grace and ends with glory. Mm -hmm. I think that's nice. Meet him in the air. (laughs) I also love that um, 
for all it expresses like I don't get this it's also like a very strong statement of faith Mm. um especially the chorus yeah so in the first verse you have wonder and you have praise and to be honest I'm not sure that grace will ever make sense no like but I am immensely grateful for it so the lyrics create this lovely contrast between our unworthiness and God's grace. And it's like if you've ever seen in a jeweler's window where you have like black velvet and then you have like diamonds and stuff. Mm. So diamonds are beautiful regardless, mm. but against the dark backdrop, they shine all the more. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like... Beautiful. Yes. <laughs> it's a great metaphor, yes. except that our sin is manky. It's not velvet. No. But you get the idea, like the darkness of, of our state mm. makes the grace all the more beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and this verse reminded me of Ephesians 2. And originally I was only going to have you read a couple of verses, but I really, really like this passage. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to like, I was like, how can I get only a couple of verses? And I was like, I can't. So yeah. could you read for us Ephesians 2, 4 to 10, yeah. please? And for the record, this is part of a chunk of one of my favorite sections of scripture, which we may or may not get to in the bonus question. Oh, stay tuned. Oh. Um, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up, raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. Really, really like that passage. Mm-hmm. So that's the first verse. And the chorus is lifted verbatim from the second half of 2 Timothy 1.12. And the whole verse goes, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for I know whom I've believed and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. So it's word for word, Mm. the chorus, Mm -hmm. Um, which contrasts quite starkly to the verses because they all begin with, I know not. Mm -hmm. And then you get this chorus, which is like, but I know this and um I love it yeah. <laughs> I love that the hymn writer is basically saying that they don't really know much and they don't understand much but the one thing they do know is that they've believed in Christ they've committed their their soul to him knowing that he will keep them to the end mm-hmm. and why wouldn't you want to sing that it's a great hymn of humility mm-hmm. and like what we were talking about week last week week before last about like true humility yeah it's not this like Oh, I need you, Lord, and I love you so much, and I want you to be with me. It's mm-hmm. not like, you know, oh, like, come help me walk beside you or whatever. It's like, I don't really know much, but i tell you one thing I do know. I know who I believe in. <laughs> it's like, I don't know why you saved me. I don't know why, you know, I've gotten this grace. I don't know this. I don't know that. Yeah. But I do know I who I believe in. In the Kara paraphrase, it's like, I might be thick as mints, but I know I'm saved. <laughs> um, 
And that does stand in contrast to our over, uh, like our culture, particularly in the reformed traditions. Where it's all about like, I can articulate this in fancy words. And yeah. It kind of makes it seem like the gospel is only for the intelligent. And yet, like, if you look at these verses, he's actually teaching us a lot of solid theology. Like he's saying, oh, I don't know. But then he's saying things like, you know, this verse in verse two, the theme is like salvation. And he's saying, oh, I don't know how it works. But he's also stating at the same time that faith comes, salvation comes by faith. Mm. Faith is a gift of God. And I'm not going to lie. I do often wonder the same thing as the hymn writer. I don't know why he chose to save me. Mm. It seems an odd choice from my perspective, (laughs) but that's grace, isn't it? Um, And then, you know, he says about truth and saving faith brings Mm. peace with God, Mm -hmm. even if we don't really entirely understand how that works. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So even though he's saying, I know not why or how or whatever, he's also saying, but this is how it works, Mm -hmm. which is an interesting I don't know how he pulls it off. Yeah. Um, yeah. As an aside to this verse, um, one thing that is important is that we do know that God has to make the first move when it comes to salvation mm. because of Romans 9, 8, which Monet will need to read to us. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah, and also 1 John 4, 19, which says we love because he first loved us. And if that's not enough to persuade you, Monet, could you read John 6, 44? No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Yeah. So these verses are all really short, but they're crammed with good stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And the interesting point about this, which is sort of a side note, but it ties in with last week's episode, Mm. is that this was a similar movement Mm -hmm. to the revivalism that we talked about in last week's episode. And I still wouldn't agree with their methods in the sense that they weren't attached to a local church. But you can see that these people understood how salvation works. And so as we sing this song, yes, it comes from a similar period, a similar sort of movement, but you can see that the theology is so vastly different. Mm. Um, and that's just an interesting side note for you. Um, so verse three is also solid theology. Yeah. The spirit convicts us of sin. Um, he reveals Jesus through the word and he creates faith. So it's also in light of last week's episode yeah. and general culture. It's it's good to say that the Holy Spirit is so much more than people make him out to be. Mm. And also he's a he, not an it. Yes. Um, he's not like an abstract force. He's <laughs> the person of the Trinity. Yes. Um, so all these elements from this this verse are, are true and they're biblical and they're, they're sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 1 Thessalonians 1, 5. Do you have that no it's fine (laughs) it says because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the holy spirit and with full conviction and then 1 corinthians 2 10 to 13 these things god has revealed to us through the spirit for the spirit searches everything even the depths of god for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him 
So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. So you see there what you've got in that verse of that song is he teaches, he convicts, he um, basically gives us faith and that's mm-hmm. backed up by these these verses. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so succinct too. I don't know how the spirit moves, but let me tell you how the spirit moves. He convinces men of sin. He reveals Jesus through the word and he creates faith in him. It's like a short, mm-hmm. succinct um, um and excuse me if I just misspoke there, but he moves in this way. I'm yeah. not sure if I just misspoke there, but it, it's a great lesson. And it's in one little verse as you move yeah. through, you know. There's there's so much good theology of salvation in this hymn. Mm. It's really, really packed. So if mm. you want to kind of be learning these truths, this is a good song to be learning. Because mm-hmm. um, like you say, it's so brief, but it's got substance so verse four moves into some more practical considerations uh the truth is that we don't know what's going to happen in our lives um but we do know that suffering is a reality because we live in a fallen world um and we Mm -hmm. discussed that a bit more in depth in our providence series early this year which Mm. is worth checking out for Mm. sure Mm. um and although we don't know what's going to happen we do know who we've believed in and we know that he's going to keep us until the end mm. and Romans eight eighteen springs to mind yeah um for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us I really like that verse <laughs> yeah it's a good one to hold on to um in times of difficulty and uncertainty mm-hmm. and at this point it's worth pausing to point out that many hymn books only have four verses of this song in them okay and this one about suffering and not knowing what's going to happen in life is the one that tends to be left out Mm. and i don't know whether it's because it's uncomfortable or because maybe it's just practical the other verses are a little bit more doctrinal um but whatever the case, the flow works with or without it, but I like it as a verse. It's a helpful verse. I guess if you think about the subject matter we've been talking about the last few weeks in reference to Hillsong, their revivalism and Pentecostalism was directed straight into the prosperity gospel, which That's was true. all the rage. And so it is good to see the distinctions yeah. of songs that have come out of these movements mm-hmm. to say this is not pointing to prosperity, health, wealth, yeah. and goodness and good times or even therapeutic deity, whatever yeah. it, it's called now. Because he's like, yeah, I'm probably going to have some bad days. I don't know, good or bad. Like, I don't know what the Lord has planned yeah. for me. Yeah, and when I picked this hymn, that wasn't why I picked it. It just happened to slot in nicely with, um, as I was reading up on it, I was like, actually, this works really well with these other episodes. 
Um, but yeah, he's right. We don't know what's going to happen, good or bad, and there mm -hmm. will be both. Mm -hmm. um, and I like the reality of that. And I love that after every verse, he's like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how this works, but mm -hmm. I know that Christ has saved me and I'm going to be okay. Yeah. And then the final verse ends in glory. <laughs> <laughs> Having said in our, um, our episode on Lo, He Comes With Clouds Descending, that not many hymns talk about the second coming of Christ. Mm. I think it's worth highlighting that this one at least mentions it in it passing. It mentions it, yeah. 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 Um, it acknowledges that we have no idea whether we'll go to him or he's going to come to us. And that said, the chorus once again reminds us it really doesn't matter. It, mm. Either way, we're saved and we have that assurance of mm. our salvation. Mm -hmm. And so whether we die or he comes back, the outcome's the same. Mm. And 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 52 is a great reminder of this. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like I said, there's a few things I like about this hymn. The doctrine's really good. The um, uncertainty is helpful <laughs> and honest. Mm -hmm. um, and the assurance of just keeping coming back. So I know some people don't like choruses, but the thing that really works about this hymn is that you have the chorus because you have all this not knowing. And every time you say, I don't know, and you come back to, but I do know this. Mm. And then you say, I don't know, but I do know this. Mm. And I think that really works really well. Um, and yeah, I'm glad it doesn't leave us with uncertainty, this song. Um, about the one thing that does matter and the one thing that we can know for sure and that's that we've trusted in Christ for our salvation and he will keep us to the end. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. This is a this is a really cool song. I think I think I would consider it a this is how the Christian walks with God kind of song. Mm -hmm. You get tripped up, you question, you you are hit with uncertainties but then you keep coming back to your faith and you have to that refrain is is like a, a good picture of the Christian life because you have to keep coming back yeah. to who your faith is in and whom you put your trust in mm -hmm. and and the great joy and the great certainty we have in in our our savior is that he's alive he obviously is who he said he was and we can have that certainty in him because he's not just some run of the mill, you know, prophet kind of, you know, um, charismatic leader or yeah. whatever is like, man, why did he say there? He rose from the dead. He's alive. Like I have this great confidence in, in him. Sorry, that's a bit of a ramble, but thank you so much for sharing this song with us like i said i've never sang this song before i would be really curious if any of you guys have sang this listening um and um how you feel about just the the structure of the song and the verses that we've looked at today i really do hope it's been an encouragement to you it's been a great encouragement to me thank you cara 
Sign up for our newsletter. If you haven't signed up already, we're just going to keep yelling at you every week because we're about to talk about our really cool bonus question Mm -hmm. and subscribers get to hear this question first. If you're not a subscriber, who knows how long you have to wait to get this content. And you could need this content. We're talking encouraging stuff today. So you've missed out. Exactly. So don't miss out next week. Go to impartial.com, hit enter, sign up for our free weekly newsletter. But until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Bye. Bye.